You know, we're taking this season, as you have your Bibles, normally we'd be in 2 Corinthians, but we're taking this season of Advent, this month, to think about Jesus come to earth. And why it's so important still, and it's not just the, oh yeah, I know the Christmas story, I got it down, I can tell it to you backwards and forwards. It's actually amazing. And to have it strike your heart again today is my heart for you. You know, we've done that. We've thought about hope for the hopeless because that's sort of the first week of Advent. How we are so far from God, we don't deserve a certain single thing, and yet here comes hope, Jesus Christ himself. And then peace for the wicked we did last week. It's like you're realizing we're wicked. We don't deserve peace because the Bible says so. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. And here comes the Prince of Peace, Jesus Today we're going to talk about joy, and honestly, I think this is the hardest for most of us in this room. Not not everybody. Some people um, have this now. Some people we call Tigger. They just bounce around happy all the time. But that's not most people. Most people are like, I, you know, I'm supposed to be happy. Well, I, is it that? How, I'm supposed to have joy. This deep gladness that never goes away. And then you don't feel like you experience or you struggle in our society or we have joy a little bit. I mean, I mean, we have joy in some things when things break right. The definition from the dictionary says joy is the emotion evoked by well-being, success, good fortune, possessing what one desires. So it literally means this feeling of great pleasure or happiness. I'm talking to a lot of people this week and people were like, you know, I don't know that I'd equate joy and happiness. Happiness seems like a surface thing that goes away a lot, but joy is this deeper gladness. I'm down with that. That's cool. But do you have it all the time? If you do, I really want it. We do come up after service. We're going to form a joy club of people who are just joyful every moment of every day. But almost everybody I know goes in and out of that. Sometimes they're really joyful and I don't know, we're, we're supposed to be brimming with joy as Christians. Rejoice always, and again I say rejoice, that's in the Bible. So I hear that, and I make a step off the cliff into thinking, I better go get it. I better choose joy. Have you heard everyone tell you that? Choose joy, man. Here's a local church recently that said, hey, this is how you get joy. I wanted to show you three practical ways to move towards joy. With professional counselor, I won't put his name up. Healthy sleep, healthy exercise, healthy diet. You can get joy if you just choose the right things. So if you get enough rest, you'll have joy. That's, that's, that's this mindset, and you can put in other things, you know. Get joy by doing the right things. Like put Jesus first, and then others, and then you. Have you heard that one? J-O-Y. Isn't that cool? It's like an acronym. Is it true? If you would just do that, you would, or, or, or what, get close to God, and you'll have more joy. These are interesting things, right? I'm, I'm bringing this up because I, I, I do want to think all of this advice and all these things and, and even the command, it must be there. They must be said, even the idea that Paul has to say to you, rejoice, is because you don't. I don't have to command somebody something they're already doing. 
So there is something there, right? I, I, don't, I don't think the advice here is quite right. I think there's something wrong. So I, I want to propose that joy is a feeling. It does come and go. It, it, it's not generic, though. You can't, you can't get it by sort of looking around at this world and ourselves because you're not going to find that you're not going to find it like that. You'll find some fleeting stuff, some sense of happiness in particular. But, but, but this actual fruit of the Spirit, joy, uh, maybe joy isn't something you grip your way into. You, you put the smile on and you fake it till actually you get there. And maybe it's, maybe it's a response that's birthed in you by something else. Maybe, maybe there's something more to this. And, and I guess the way I want to think about it this morning with us, as we look at the scriptures together, as we consider how it's presented, perhaps it's more like my kids on Christmas morning. They get a big present on their lap. And all of a sudden, nothing else really matters. You know, their friendships that they were not having so well or their struggles over here, their worries over there. All of a sudden, they just have this gift and they're opening it. And it's an amazing gift. And they feel what? Joy. It's amazing. They're responding to a gift. I, I want to say that again. The joy the Bible talks about is not generic joy. It's not generic happiness. Uh, I, I don't think what we're proclaiming is sort of knuckling through tough circumstances, though that can happen with joy. It's about a particular experience because this morning I believe there's joy for you. Whether or not you normally feel it, whether or not you're in it all the time, I want you to consider it with me today that you might have joy in the Lord. So what we're actually going to do is go backwards from what's in your bullet. If you're a note taker, we're doing it opposite. We're taking the last part first. I feel like you've got to get the first part last. However that goes, I don't know. I want to talk first about joy found. Oh, I love this picture. <laughs> yes, Joy. Right? Because I think this is one of the best ways to think about joy. It finds you. I believe it does. You're struck with it. It's not a discipline. It's not a choice. It's not a smile pasted on a tired heart. It's not you having to act warm on a cold day. Joy, the declaration, and the example, it's on Christmas let's take this part of the story again. You know it, but I just want to think about it in terms of joy here in Luke chapter two, verse eight. You have your Bibles and want to look. It's the story, you know it well. It's the story of the shepherds. It says in the same region, it's talking about when Jesus was born. There were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. They were not filled with joy. The angel of the heavenly host appeared, and they were like, oh no, what is this? This is not a joyful moment for them initially. And the angel said to them, fear not. Don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Okay, good news of great joy, right? This idea is that I'm bringing news of joy to you. This is going to cause joy. Okay. 
This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there's with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Angels are going off, rejoicing. So it says when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds rejoiced. No. No, no. The shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see it. Let's go check it out. See this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, and they saw it. And they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They said, hey, the angel appeared and said, this is good news of great joy. And it says, all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. I think you could classify that as rejoicing, as joy. This fear, uncertainty, not knowing, that's not joy. That's what the shepherds had. And the angels say, hey, good news. That's the gospel, literally. Great joy. Those are actually connected for all people. Why? Because Jesus is born. And the angels do this huge concert in the sky, and they go away, and there's silence, and the shepherds look at each other, and they're not rejoicing. They're going, let's go see if what he said was true. They said words true, and they went, and they saw. And it's not there until verse 19, 20, that they go away doing what the angels had done, glorifying and praising God. That's a picture of joy, feeling great pleasure and happiness. Wow, something amazing just happened and we got to be a part of it. Why? Did they choose joy in spite of their cold night of shepherding? That's not really the picture, huh? It's not really. Did did, did they do the hard work of joy? No way. They got the gospel. They had this announcement. They got a gift. They're my kids on Christmas morning. And me too. Someone puts a gift on my lap. And and, and it isn't great Aunt Cherise who re-gifts the, you know, village books used book that she found in her closet from 10 years ago. It's actually a real gift. It's actually something that you're like, whoa, I, I, this, is, this is amazing. Who, who gave me this? It's that, right? A real amazing gift. You know what it comes into your heart? Joy. You win the lottery. You get the unexpected hug from your kid. You, you get a surprising compliment. Gifts for you. The response is joy. That's joy. I, I mean, it's passing, right? But it's that, that's what it is. And we've gotten the greatest gift ever. You've got it. What do you mean? Well, here's Galatians 4. But when the fullness of time had come, let's talk about Christmas. God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters, as kids. Look what you got. This is an amazing gift to receive adoption. This causes joy. Oh my goodness, I've been adopted in the family of God. He's my dad. 
Or this, here literally using the word gift. The free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, how much more of the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, came on. Christmas to us abounded for many. The free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. Judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. Yeah, you deserve this, all of you who are sinners, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. That word just means righteousness, goodness. Look what you got. Bah. This gift, which here is justification and grace, it causes joy. Jesus is a gift, isn't he? So, so we're not talking about whether it's going to rain tomorrow, whether you're going to get a new job or a new car or, or have stuff. This is a huge undeserved gift. And so joy, wow, this is for you. Jesus Christ is a gift. We've been adopted into his family. We have peace with God. We have deliverance, salvation, sanctification, justification, and, and, and all of it is just a gift on your lap. You open it up, and, and, and if you see it, it's causing you joy, right? Jesus is not an investment in you. You know, like God's not trying to maximize his return. Then, then it'd be appropriate to say, well, the gift's joy, but also some worry. Am I, am I giving enough return to God? You know, that's something I got to worry about. No, this is a gift, Jesus is not a transaction. God's not looking for a deal. You know, you do these things and I'll do these things back. There's, there's, there's a point in time where that it felt that way and the Old Testament was never that way. They never did it. But, but this is clearly, while you were a sinner, God gave you this. There's no serious focus on what you need to do. Unwrap the gift. <laughs> oh, it causes joy. Jesus is not a favor. God didn't give you a favor. You know, like you're going to give it back to him sometime. In fact, the Bible's so against that. It's about, it's about God forgiving all the debt of his servant, like that king, right? More debt than he could ever pay. Just said, I just release you. <laughs> it's amazing. You're not worried about how to pay him back. You've been given a gift. This is Jesus as a gift. Joy in receiving the gift, period. This is Christian joy. Look, it's true. It's for you. It's spontaneous. It just happens. It comes from receiving it. The best way to get it is to come again and see that it's for you. It's the best gift ever. I believe Jesus himself put it this way. Let, let, me, let me show you from Matthew 13. Matthew 13, verse 44, Jesus is talking in parables. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and he covered up. And then in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys that field. <laughs> oh, this is a parable about joy, right? Kingdom of heaven's like this treasure hidden in a field and something amazing and undeserved and unexpected and all of a sudden, whoa, you find it. What do you do? Well, I do the moral and upright thing. I go find the owner of the field and I tell him he's got an amazing treasure over there. He should use it. No, he's like, I want it and I can have it. 
I don't care about anything else. I want this. He says, oh, oh, can you believe I found the most amazing treasure you can ever find in the entire world? So he goes and he sells everything that he has and he, and he buys the, 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 the field so he can have the treasure. It even says, in his joy. So amazingly joyful that he found the treasure. This is such good news that joy hits him unexpected, serendipitously, because he sees the value. He's overwhelmed by this amazing gift. That's what we're talking about together. Joy has found us because his gift is so good. And you say, is it really, Dax? You don't know my life. Is it really that good for me? I mean, I get that baby Jesus is a gift to the world, that Christmas celebrates God become flesh, the incarnation, all that. I get that. But for, for me, it's not a bad question. Jesus actually knew that's how we think. He's not done. He tells another parable right after this one. This little thing about how, oh, it's so amazing, the joy of you finding this. says, well... Yeah, he says again, Jesus says, right there in Matthew 13, again. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Well, that's just saying the same thing again, Dex. No, it's not. Right? Don't miss this. Again, the kingdom of heaven, but now the kingdom isn't the treasure. In the first one, the kingdom was the treasure. The guy says, I want the treasure. I'm so amazed that the gift of the kingdom could be mine. I'll give anything. I'm so joyful about it. That's about the joy of finding the treasure. I get it. Oh. Now Jesus flips it around. Right? The kingdom is the man. God's the merchant. And he's looking at pearls. And he's picked out one he loves. I'll give everything for this pearl. Who's the pearl? You. You gotta stop and think about that for three seconds. God of the universe, he looks and he loves you. Why? I don't know. I look at you and I don't know why he loves you. You're a piece of work. But I know this. God does. Isn't that incredible? It's like he values you as you are right now. It doesn't say, and he, and he found a pearl, but he first he had to cut it and, 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 and clean it up and make it better because, boy, it was a dirty piece of snot in the, in the oyster. That, I forget how they're made, but they're, I don't know, whatever. I do know this. God says, I'm in search of fine pearls, and I found it, and I'll give everything for that. And you think about Jesus Christ, who Hebrews 12 says, for the joy set before him, he suffered. He went to the cross. He endured the shame. Why? He was so excited to have you. Wow. How are you? This is amazing. says, well, God gave all he had to get hold of you. That's this Jesus is saying that. So the gift is his action for you, what he did for you. You're the pearl to God. You're valuable and wanted and loved right now as you are in his eyes. Right? It, it, with all your faults. You're pretty flawed pearl in my eyes, but to God. I am too, by the way. I'm not saying you and not me. why I don't mind singing these simple songs we sing. Otherwise, I'd get annoyed. 
He loves me because 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 he loves me just because he does. You know that's true? Just because he does. Wow, we can sing it all day and all night and never stop because it's amazing. And, 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 and the love of Christ, Paul puts it another way. He said, oh, he says there at the end of Ephesians 3, if you would just know the height, the depth, the width, the breadth, to know the love of Christ for you that passes understanding. I, 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 I wipe that totally off the board all the time. I don't believe that Jesus' love for me is so wide and so deep and so broad and so unbelievable that I can't ever really understand it. I think he loves me if I do a bunch of stuff for him. Boy, if I stop sinning, he'll really start loving me. Are you crazy? The whole message is he loves you right now with a love you can't stop. And it's so deep. And the presence on your lap. And you open up and say, could it be true? Yes, like the siren. It's true. Okay, I'm going off on this because I believe Jesus was. It's the depth of this particular joy. The fruit of the Spirit joy. Why? Because you start to receive this. You start to say, wow, God loves me like that. Jesus actually adores me. And you lay down all this other earn oriented living and you just accept you're adored. Right? I mean, that's what Isaiah 12 is talking. Behold, God is my salvation, not me. I, I will trust and not be afraid. I, I, the Lord, God is my strength and my song and he's become my salvation. This is a statement of joy. Can you, I can't hardly believe, how could I even say that? But he has. This is the good news. This is the announced by angels' good news. Jesus Christ is born. It's really true. It's a gift. It's fabulous. This is joy found. It's found in the Bible, in the gift. It's real and true and for you. And I don't know about you, but maybe for some of you, at least in this room, it makes you a little uncomfortable. Why do I say that? Because you're not experiencing joy. Because you struggle with joy. Right? Maybe you've received the gift and you feel like, I, I know Jesus is true. I get the story. I take communion. I realize I'm saved, but I don't feel joy, Dax. I don't think the answer is, well, eat better. Get some more sleep. Work on your diet. I don't think that's the answer. I don't think even the answer is draw near to God. Like somehow that's what you do. Man, if you would... If, if, I get why you're not having joy. It's on you. I, I, I want to actually show you something that I think is kind of important. I want to look at joy lost. This, again, is whole message that I'm bringing to you from the Bible today for us in Advent is joy for the lost, particularly for the lost. I don't mean for the unsaved. I mean for those who have lost joy. I think this happens. I think it's deeper. I think it's more common than we know. I think we're distracted all the time. We wander off all the time. We, we, we constantly daily need to repent. I believe you constantly daily need to repent. That means turning back to the cross. doesn't mean coming again and reconverting and getting saved. No, you're saved. But to see this 
It's amazing, this joy for the lost. It's, I, and I camp here a minute because the midst of Jesus being the greatest gift ever, and maybe you know that, but, but you're, you're choked up. Too much cold and rain. Too many broken relationships. Too much sin all around. You, you might agree, baby Jesus, fantastic. You don't feel joy. So you, then, then honestly what happens mostly is we start to feel guilty because we ought to feel joy. I know I should feel joy. It's great news, the gospel. Jesus loves me, is amazing, but I just don't feel it, you know? And so that's why people say, that's why people a lot say, you know, joy's not a feeling, it's, it's something else. Why? Because they know that you don't feel it all the time, they know you're supposed to, so they don't want you, they're trying to help you, but they're actually giving you something. No, joy is a response of wonder and an abiding feeling you can go in and out of. It's a fruit of the Spirit, You don't bear it all the time. Just like I'm not always patient. I'm not always kind. Right? Th- those things are the spirit. So, so this guilt piece, because God sees my heart. He sees that I care more about my circumstances than I do about him often. God's not dumb. That we know I continue to want the world more than him and my flesh. So I want you to look at this with me. <laughs> Oh, fellow walker in this life that deals with your flesh and isn't always joyful. This is Jesus in Luke chapter 15. The tax collectors and the sinners were drawing near to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes didn't like that. They grumbled. They said, this man, Jesus, he receives sinners and he eats with them. He hangs out with the baddies. So he told them this parable. He's telling a parable in the context to people who aren't saved. Jesus hasn't gone to the cross. None of them are. He's speaking to the group. But, but he, he hits us too in our flesh. It's not only, I hope you see, about conversion. Watch. What man of you, having lost a hundred sheep, uh, having hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, doesn't leave the 99 in the open country, go after the one that's lost until he finds it? He's, he's telling a, a little parable. He's telling a little story. He says, man, the, the, the guy who loses one sheep, he tries to go and find it because it's lost. And he says when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. He has joy. Okay? And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors. He says to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Okay, this is what I don't think Jesus is trying to say. That God doesn't really rejoice over people who are already saved. He only rejoices over sinners. I think what he's saying is we're all sinners. And we all get lost. And the heart of the Father is what? To go find you. What happens when he does? He's stoked. He's happy. He's joyful. He rejoices. You got to think about the implications of that with me before we end today. These people that he's talking about are us. We want to talk about this in terms of conversion. I get it. But Jesus, I don't believe, is talking that way. He's talking about the heart of the Father towards the lost. 
his, his heart towards the lost. I don't believe he's talking about salvation in some moment in time. He's talking about how you see God and that has everything to do with life and joy. Why? Because, dear friend, if you have the most amazing gift you've ever had that you'll ever have and it's more valuable than anything you'll ever touch and it's amazing and for you every moment and you don't have joy... Is that right? Of course it's not right. I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying you're missing how awesome it is. You realize that? And we all do. I don't feel it enough, and I'm a generally joyful person. It's in my personality. It's not even real joy. I just bop. Hi, bouncing Dax. This is not joy over my salvation but we've got this amazing gift and we get lost, right? That's the idea. I'm a sheep. I don't do it right. See, what if today you're, you're lost this way? You're not, not saved. God's going after you. He's, you're not getting out of his hand. He's, he, he, why? Because that's the story. You know, you know Jesus died for you. You know he's the reason for the season, but you're caught up in health problems or seasonal affective disorder or not really rejoicing the incredible truth and the wonder of the gift of Jesus for you. That's lost. <laughs> You've lost your joy. The gift seems far away or not for you. And this parable and the two that follow it are for you. You should read them all. We're not going to. We're going to stop here and think about it. God says Jesus Christ, the, the babe who came on Christmas, that he, he goes after his sheep, his lost sheep, and when he's found the lost, he brings it home. Rejoicing, he's glad, and he says to those around him, he's right, he says, rejoice with me. <laughs> oh, rejoice that I found someone else who was lost. So the cause of rejoicing, in a very real sense, is the lostness of the sheep. Because God's going to go get him or her. More joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous who don't need it. We repent every day. You know, we're humble daily. We, we know we aren't who we should be daily. And God's not leaning back and saying, well, you know, when you want to return, I guess maybe I'll take you back. But you better show me some joy, kid. That's the wrong order, Right? God goes and gets you, and the getting births in you what? Joy. God seeks out. He tracks down. He breaks through. He finds the lost. And that means he brings awareness of the great gift of Jesus back to you. He opens your eyes to his presence with you. He does that, not you, not me. This is joy. This is the fruit of the Spirit who is reminding our hearts all the time of the wonder of Christ for us. That's why he's called the teacher and the comforter, the paraclete. This is the renewal of the wonder, a song on the lips from the heart. Who does that? God does that. He's the shepherd seeking the lost sheep. He's the woman seeking the lost coin. He's the dad racing out to his disgraced son. The surprise of our lives is that God rejoices over me, over you. 
That's what he wants you to see. Jesus does. Right? Not, not, not that you're worthy. There's no worthiness here whatsoever. It's just that there's rejoicing. The very worst spot to be is the thinking that you ought to have what God hasn't given you yet. To say, I can find my own way home. To say, I can create joy in my heart. You, you can't actually do it. You don't fake it. Don't act like you don't need what you don't have. Because what you and I need is a marvel, is a wonder, a refreshing, a true hope, living water, living bread, cleansing blood, right? Perfect lamb. And you have it. He came. His name is Jesus. He came for you. So what am I really trying to get at for you and me this morning? Here it is. If you have joy, if you're struck, rejoice away. Sing the songs. Make an hallelujah. Sing and dance. Because that's wonderful and fabulous. And, and, And that's what Christmas is. Best news ever. If you don't have joy, realize God's after you. Right? To give you joy. To find you and bring you back, he'll do it. Bring you back to what? To the message of the good news that he's for you and, and that these worries that you have are passing, that, that all of them are just swallowed up in the wonder of Jesus Christ, height, breadth, depth, width, the love of Christ for you. And, and, and as we trust that, we say, yes, it's true. Oh, Lord, help my unbelief. Joy can come. Don't try and replace the wonder of the gift with some other gift. It doesn't satisfy. I want it, sure, but don't think it's a bad place to be, to, to, to be struggling with joy. God's after you. He's going to use the whole thing to kind of bring you home. He rejoices, and he calls us to rejoice, not in the strong and the already rejoicing, but in the finding and the giving and the repenting. The real gift this morning, the gift of Jesus Christ to you and me, is the best gift you'll ever get. It really is. There's nothing better. He's your very righteousness. His clothing is for you forever. He seeks and saves the lost, not just some sort of moral change, but bringing joy. And he loves to find you when you've stumbled, when things are not as they should be, when you're not as you should be. And your real hope is, though it might be dark right now, Joy comes in the morning. May I dare say Christmas morning. Jesus, it's very real, purpose for you that he won't let go is that you would have joy. What? How can you say that, Dax? Because he did, right? You know John 15. These things I have spoken to you. That's the words that he's very given to them. That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. He's after you to give you joy, gladness in your heart. So so come on. Whether you're already brimming or whether you need a refreshing, come to the hillside with me. Hear the gospel news. See that it brings joy. And then come to the manger and see that it's true. That the God who is the king, came as a babe, and he came to find you. 
He's able to do it, to open your heart to his love, his value, his joy over you today. If you're not quite there, don't worry. He'll break through. Oh, that you might humble your heart. Come to the cross. His hand is long, his love is wide, and he's for you. You've got the present on your lap. Open it up, confess, and come again to the angels singing, and trust that God will not let you go. Joy for the lost. And I'm the one that gets lost a lot. Aren't you? He's coming for you today. He's coming with salvation in his wings. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for what you've done in Jesus. And again, we come on this Advent season when we think about you coming to us. Forgive us, Lord, that we think we come to you. Father, help us to really trust that you're after us, that you love us, that this gift of you is real and for us today. And Lord, I pray for anyone in this room who doesn't get that, who isn't repenting of their own heart, of their own righteousness and coming to you, that you would cause that today. Lord, we who are far, we see that you've brought us near. In every way, how you've loved us so well. Jesus, we praise you that you came in such weakness, such apparent powerlessness, and yet with the strength to save. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray.